Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Mark introduces you to some of the world's leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, restaurants, medical research, and more. You'll discover how to tap into your most original thinking, how to organize your ideas, and most of all, how to make the connections and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mark Stenson. And when we talk about a world of creativity on this podcast, we're literally going around the world. Now, it's virtual these days. And just this week, we've taken our travels from Hamburg to Paris to Austin, Texas. Then today, I'm glad to welcome my first guest from Belarus. Welcome, team. And also in Boston, this is Team M Bicycle. Welcome to the program, guys. Thank you, Mark, for this opportunity. And Alex, you're, you're a manager with the company. In terms of software development, what is your role? In, in this company, uh, we work closely with, um, as far as our main competencies are concerned. We've been more than 11 years on the market already, and we do custom software development in such domains like sports, health, wellness, health tech, fintech. These are our most common cases concentrated on. And basically, we work with startup companies because that gives us an opportunity to feel this uh, fresh air of new ideas, which can be just innovative for any market. And we do our best to provide best service to help these uh, startups to succeed. Vlada, tell us about you and what you do. Hi, I'm Vlada. I am a business development manager. It means that I reach out to our potential clients, to our current clients. Oh, fantastic. And Mike, let me bring you into the conversation. Sure. Thanks, Mark. So I spent 25 years living in various parts of Eastern Europe, and I started a number of companies. And one of the businesses I had was in Belarus, and I got to know a number of people in the engineering and software development technology fields and was just incredibly impressed at the level of talent in Belarus. It was always the engineering and manufacturing hub of the Soviet Union. So I got to know my partner in M-Bicycle, Igor Nikolaev, who founded the company, as Alex said, about 11 years ago. And you know, I was in the process of moving back to the States that I would uh, represent M-Bicycle in the States and develop US business and US clients. And it's it's gone quite well. We've had a number of really exciting projects. and. The team has done a fantastic job in executing them. Well, I'm very anxious to hear more about the company. Alex, you mentioned a lot of different fields, a lot of different markets that you're involved in. Tell us a little bit more about some of those applications. I should say that these markets may seem just quite separate from each other, but from a technical perspective, they're quite similar ones. So one of our most successful case studies is connected to sports application because we've done numerous apps for basketball players, coaches, fans. So uh, we cover almost any aspect of that kind of sports. And we've even implemented some IoT devices and integrated it uh, with a mobile application. So with the help of our applications, we were able to help basketball coaches to improve the technique. They work with the basketball players. Basketball players could uh, improve the way they play. They improve their techniques as well. 
And of course, fan engagement helped any uh, basketball team to, to engage new auditory, to increase the, their revenue with the help of uh, new and existing fans. So that is kind of big ecosystem for any uh, basketball team. And Mark, if I could just add a little bit, because I'm a big college basketball fan. The application that he's referring to is used by, you know, the, the very top college programs in the country. And the, uh, it, it basically is, is a combination of having sensors throughout the gym and sensors in the ball, sensors on the, the shoes and wristbands of the players. And it measures every single aspect of a practice, for instance. It does this in games also, but it measures a practice so that they can, after the practice, they can look at how much each person moved during the practice, what was the direction of their movement, how many, what shots they took from where, what was the angle of the shot release, how many shots went in. It's a really invaluable tool, a very difficult app, uh, I think, to, to develop, which they did over several years, but it's provided a lot of benefit to the top college programs. And Mike, as you were talking about the kind of technology hub and the expertise that you saw in Belarus, give us a little flavor of that. How do you think from a competitive standpoint, this kind of development, you know, people might be surprised to hear that it's coming out of a place like Belarus. Yeah, for sure. And if you were to go to Minsk, where, where Alex and Vlad are located, uh, you would see a dynamic city of a lot of young people you know, visiting the cafes and the restaurants and everything, but it's, um, it's just this, when Belarus was part of the Soviet Union and the Soviet, you know, the different republics in the Soviet Union had different areas of expertise or specialization. And Belarus was engineering, manufacturing. There were a lot of top rate scientific institutes or technical universities, and that's been maintained. And so the level of talent and I'm not a technologue, I'm really more of a business and finance person, but in talking to people that we've dealt with in the U.S. or that are in the know about, for instance, software development, I mean, Belarus is at the absolute forefront of software development in the world. Just a lot of really talented young people and the cost structure is such that like a company like M Bicycle can provide a superior service at a much lower cost. It's a, it's a you know, tremendous competitive advantage that they have. And Alex, then how do you organize your team around that dream <laughs> that the clients have, you know, and to really communicate the standpoint of, you know, here's what the dream is. Let's make it happen. Yeah, that's a very good question because uh, after uh, working for more than 11 years, we've developed a very good delivery model to recover the full cycle of development. So basically, um, we propose to start with the um, uh, discovery stage. When a, a person, a potential partner, works closely with our business analyst for, for up to a month, and they do communicate a lot about the idea of how it should be organized and how it can be divided into, for example, MVP and other stages, and after that stage, business analyst uh, prepares a solid document, which can be used for, for making estimates and for further communication with our tech leads. And after that, we add our tech team and start the development process uh, itself. Of course, we have project managers, UA guys, so we can deliver this, uh, we can bring this idea to life just with our team. And Alex, you know, I'm more of the dreamer than I am the technologist. So <laughs> I, I love when I hear the MVP, you know, but I'm yeah. always, I want the maximum viable product. I don't want the minimum. 
<laughs> That's so, even better. <laughs> yeah, good, good. So how do we, yeah. how do we, you know, rev it up? And I guess uh, you know, part of it, I know you have to get expectations aligned. Dreamers like yeah. me say, I want it all. And you say, well, you know, your budget says this and you're dreaming this, but give us a sense of how you help align the dreams to the execution. Yeah, definitely. And I think that this is kind of magic which our business analysts handle because they have huge experience with people who, who you know, want to build uh, another Netflix or another Uber or something like that. And they know how to, uh, how to communicate, how to define the, the very specific thing or feature which will be needed for this or that project. So we use our expertise on previous project and get the most information from, from a person to make a combination of what is needed and what should be done. And uh, this combination uh, helps us to succeed with the, with the new startups and make them succeed. Yes. And, and, and I could maybe just add to that, you know, how we can find the sweet spot between what the dream of somebody like yourself with the reality of a budget. So as Alex said, the, our business analyst does quite a deep dive with the client to understand what they're looking for. And we come up with a, with a statement of work, which includes a minimum maximum price range. So we say, okay, we agree that these are the parameters of what, of what needs to be done. And as long as the project sticks within those parameters, then the minimum you will pay will be X and the maximum you will pay will be Y. Then it's up to us to fulfill that. And if we go beyond the hours that we expected, they still don't pay more than the, the Y amount. So that allows them to have the full scope of the project outlined, but know that there's a, a fixed budget. It also, that type of mechan you know, mechanism, we tend to work in short sprints, but it allows for change as the project goes on. But then each time there's a change, we will re-estimate so that the client can understand, okay, I want, because a lot of times with software, it's just hard to appreciate how the hours just get consumed because one small change requires going back into the depths of the program and changing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so the client says, well, I'd really like it to do, to do this. And you say, okay, if you'd like it to do this, we'll, we'll re-estimate it and this will be the new min-max. And they'll say, okay, I don't want to do that, right? I mean, and so it- yeah. it, 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 it does help guide the decision-making. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm glad you brought up Netflix and Uber, Alex. It only took us 17 minutes of our interview to mention these because uh, also uh, Vlada and Mike, I also assume you've heard many a pitch from a startup that says, we want to be the Uber of blank market. We want to be the Netflix of our application. What do people mean when they say things like that? What are, what are they trying to grasp? Well, if, if I, let me just jump in there. And I, yes. This is probably better for the others can answer, but I can give you a specific example of one client that we're working with right now, which has a really exciting new product. And they are actually, when they, if you were to describe what it is they're doing, they're an Uber type of application that connects professional chefs with private diners. So in this particular market, so I know what you mean is, well, how do you become the big player in the market? No, I, I mean, they, they imagine that they have an app that says, you know, I have a service provider and I am a consumer of that and I want to get these people together. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've built this app for this client. They're, I mean, they were supposed to really launch the project aggressively a year ago. I mean, we were last March, April, uh, they were really ready to go and 
myself and my, my partner, Igor, we're on the, the board of the company, but the COVID hit and it just one year just lost because, you know, professional chefs weren't going to be going into people's homes to be cooking mm-hmm. meals during COVID. But basically it's exactly that. You would go on the app, you would say, I don't want to cook a meal tonight, or I, you know, I want to have a few friends over tomorrow and I don't want to cook and clean up. So you go on the app, you look at chefs in your area, what types of meals they're offering, what the pricing is. You get onto a chat feature with the chef and it's similar to an Uber. I mean, you just click on, okay, there's a car to pick you up. Here, there's a chef. You, you like the menu, you like the chef, and then you, you kind of click on a contract. And the next day, the, the chef will come and prepare a great meal for you in your home. You know, so, so that's a, a real Uber type of app that, that we we're just completing now. Well, and listeners, you might recall a few episodes back, I interviewed Chef Charles Raglan in San Antonio, and he was just this kind of personal chef and described a process that didn't have an app, but it was just like you described, Mike. Yeah. And well, uh, hopefully that's Chef what Charles he, will... he would love to have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he, you know, I'm sure that the, the name of the business is called My Table Apps and hopefully Chef Charles will join, will join up because it's a great platform that allows uh, chefs to have their own private business, but without having to go through all the process of creating the infrastructure of the business. This, mm-hmm. this app creates the infrastructure and then the chefs just perform on it. Terrific. Well, I think with all these applications, Blada, I'm curious how you're connecting with a lot of the companies that have these startup dreams. How are you doing your outreach? Well, I'm using, like you said, various business tools, but uh, I am looking for a specific companies, mostly for specific companies, specific people who have uh, the dream and for people who have something that hits me. Like they have an impact on me. Like when I see some company, for example, that has some application, I would ask myself, would I use it? Mm-hmm. Would I want to be a user? Would I want to have an experience chatting with these people? Would I want to hear their ideas? So for me, this outreach is it's personal. And as long as you have the ears of the listeners of this podcast, what kinds of companies are you trying to reach? I am interested in uh, something connected with food. Uh, I also enjoy connected with wellness. This is what hits me. Also, games and gaming. I'm looking for companies who who work with uh, gaming companies and also for anything connected with it. Uh, I'd like to add a bit to Vlada's uh, uh, words about about the companies we're looking to work with. I think that uh, companies who, who try to bring something innovative to this digital world, that, that are our ideal partners because we always try to, to find something new, to bring new ideas to the companies we work with and we always learn from our partners. So that helps us to, to be good drivers and good, uh, you, you, you know, you understand what I mean? For, yes, uh, I good, do. Good partners for Good partners for both startup companies and small, mid-sized ones. So we always try to bring uh, innovations to to companies we work with. And Alex, I assume you are also looking to expand your team. What sort of people work well in the M-Bicycle company environment? I think that M-Bicycle would reach that point when all people work at projects where they can add value as much as possible, where they like this project and they really act like decent partners of the existing team and this time difference and 
the fact that we work on different continents does not bother us and that is not uh, an obstacle. So I think that that is what we're looking to to develop our company in in that in that case further. Very nice. Well, Mike, I'd also like to pick up on your background on uh, why Belarus and the technology hub that it represents. We we have at least three, maybe four generations represented on this call. I mean, you know, we, we've gone a long way from Soviet Union to CIS to breaking down walls to today. And I just wonder this new thought of a global enterprise and working with companies and clients and people, regardless of location. Have you experienced this kind of, hey, let's break down literal and figurative walls? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if I was to answer the question of what kind of companies are looking, for, you know, are the good fit for MBicycle, it's, you know, companies that want superior service for a lower price, right? Which, which would be a lot of, a lot of uh, potential clients. But but we found that, you know, the barriers, are, and especially if, if, you know, one or both sides are willing to be flexible to working across the globe are just shrinking and shrinking, you know, and the, the level of English, for instance, in the M Bicycle staff. I mean, every project has a, a fluent English speaking project manager in Belarus. They're willing to work later hours to accommodate afternoon video calls or whatever with the client. And then the, the kind of nice advantage, actually, of, of having working around the globe is that, um, you know, when we go to sleep in the U.S., for instance, the people in Belarus, it's a seven-hour time difference right now. The people in Belarus are up working. So by the time, you know, we come to work mm -hmm. the next day, the whole day's worth of work has been done. And then we look at what's been done. You know, we give our feedback. We maybe have some calls. And then we go to sleep again, and the Belarusians are at it again the next day. So the, the process has actually accelerated a bit as opposed to when you have everybody working at the same time zone, by the time the programmers have done their work for the day, the people who are gonna be analyzing it, they're also done for the day. So they're gonna only see it the next, the next working day. So yeah, I can definitely see, I mean, and I think we're closer to the same generation, uh, <laughs> but you know, the, how the world has evolved. And since I started going to what was then the Soviet Union long ago, and to what Belarus is right now in terms of the dynamism and the you know, kind of the global outreach and the, the professionalism and the ability to communicate in multiple languages, it's really exciting. Well, I know that I'm ready to get back to global travel. So Minsk is going to have to be on my list. Maybe I'll be able to stop by the M Bicycle uh, offices when I travel again and come to Belarus. It would Certainly be great, great to meet you. Let us know where people can find more about the company and connect with you. Well, our main platform is LinkedIn. You can follow us in our LinkedIn group. And then we'll go beyond <laughs> the minimum and we'll go to the maximum possibility. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Well, thanks to the M Bicycle team. Really enjoy talking with you today. Thank and you, Mark. And listeners, this is just the kind of global conversation we continue to have on this podcast. And as Mike was alluding to, breaking down old barriers and old perceptions of what uh, working globally looks like and feels like and sounds like, and delivering new and better applications to serve customers as well as consumers. So join me again for our next episode, where we'll continue this around the world journey. And we'll talk to more creative experts on how they get inspired for new ideas, how they organize those ideas in their companies and their teams. And then most of all, how they gain the confidence to launch their ideas out into the world. So I'm Mark Stenson for Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and we'll see you next time.
Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer. Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast, using Audition, Premiere Rush, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better, unlocking your world of creativity.